This morning, we will be looking at Samson, and that's Judges 13 through 16. That's four chapters of, of, of Judges, and we're going to read not all of it. I think that would take, it takes about 20 minutes, but if you wouldn't mind opening your Bibles and follow along, again, Judges 13, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, you'll find it in the beginning of your Old Testament. And sometimes what I do is sort of I save the application for the very end. Right. So this time, we're going to start with the application, and I'd like for you and for us to kind of catch it all along the way as we dig into the passage. So what we're going to be seeing throughout the life of Samson and in his parents' life is this pattern for relying on God or lack of relying on God, and we're going to see what that, sort of what that looks like. Uh, in the, the image that, that I chose, that we, that we chose here, is you have the sun and, the, and these plants, right? And the plants are very much, they very much rely on the sun. Because the sun is reliable, it does come up all the time. Whether the plants know it or not, it doesn't really matter. The, the fact remains that they rely and, on the sun for life. And so that's kind of the, the image, the image this morning. The other big thing that we're going to see is one of the, applications in our lives for relying on God is in our marriages. And so we're going to see a few examples of, of some great, of a one great marriage and also some uh, sort of very poor ones. And we'll talk through that as well. So uh, please catch these items as we go. And with that, this is, this is what it's going to look like this morning. We're going to do a bit of a recap on Judges. We're going to do kind of a preamble to Samson's life. There's a whole chapter about his parents uh, and we're going to dig into that. We're going to get Samson and he, how he sort of rises, how he falls, his redemption there, uh, and he comes back to redemption, and we'll do some more, uh, some more application uh, around that. So, Judges recap. Where we've been up to now, right, is this theme in Judges is this, this idea about judging for yourself. The verse that keeps coming up is, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Right, so people are judging for themselves, whether it's right or wrong, whether they're following God or not. It's a little bit sort of up in the air as, as you move along through Judges. And then there's this sin cycle that, that keeps coming up. So if you open to chapter 13, verse 1, you see it right there, and it starts like this. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So what's happening is, once again, people of Israel do this pattern that we see all along, that people of Israel do evil, and God gives them into the hand of another nation. He, he judges them. He disciplines them. A judge rises up. Maybe things get better for a while, but then there's sin again, and they sort of they fall away. There's a judge. There's repentance. Actually, there's a circle this, uh, that, that, we're, that we've been talking about all along. And today, we're going to see that cycle that we've seen for the nation of Israel, we're actually going to see it in Samson's life. So in the, in the life of one man, you're going to see the same kind of thing, where there's a rise, a fall, and sort of coming back to, coming back to God. But in all that, we should catch, we should, we should catch one very important thing. Uh, and that is, if God didn't care about the nation of Israel, or about Samson, or about us, there would be no discipline. There wouldn't be a judge. There wouldn't be any way for us to come back up, but God does discipline us, and we know that, for example, we know that blessed is the one 
whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the blessed discipline of the Almighty. That's found in Job or, or in Hebrews. We're told that we are, if, we, if we're not disciplined by God, we're illegitimate children. So, man, even though there's, there's sin, just catch that God goes and, and grabs us and bring us, brings us back to himself. Um, and, that's, and that's really, really great. And so I do hope that we do learn to love God's discipline and, uh, and hopefully learn from it as well. Here we go. This is now the preamble to Samson's life. And, and we're going to look in Judges 13. And let's dig into starting from verse 2. And you'll notice I have this really small Bible. Uh, as Dave mentioned, we, uh, we moved homes. And so my bigger ESV Bible sort of lost its way in the shuffle. So I'm going to be sort of staring a little bit here. So let's read starting verse 2. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and he's appearance like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And a strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For the child and Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So here, right away, um, you see that there's this... Um, there's already a, a reliance and on God, and you see it in this marriage where the woman receives a message from the Lord, and and what does she do? She goes right to her husband. There's this there's this union there between between the two of them, um, and we're gonna let's keep reading a little bit a little bit more and talk about it. So um, pick it up again in verse eight. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, "O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us." And teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. So, here, catch that Manoah does, is not questioning God, but he is double-checking. He's, he's again looking to rely on God and his word. In, um, in verse 8, it's the end of verse 8, it's, Teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. He just assumes it's going to happen. It's from the Lord, even though it came through his wife from the Lord. But there's no doubt. There's, like, there's full reliance and, uh, and trust. They're both between him and his wife and also, also to God. Um, and uh, all along the, our series in Judges, we've been doing these sort of object lessons um, where people are kind of uh, weighing various things against, uh, against each other. Uh, and today, I have two... Um, I have a rock and a weight, okay? And, so, and the rock represents God and represents relying on, on God. The weight represents uh, relying on ourselves and our own strength. Even though, I mean, with this weight, like, you won't get too strong, but hopefully you get the, you get the picture. Um, and, and it starts with very much the, the rock, or God, 
is weighed much is weighed much heavier in the beginning of uh, of judges. So you can see that that um, there's a deeper reliance on God than there is on their own um, on their own strength. And uh, and if you and we'll keep we'll keep going there. Um, let's pick it up at verse nine. So God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to Manoah. I'm sorry, the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has, has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of God said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine. Neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. So, there, again, there's, there's so much to be said. And this is it's more of a survey of Samson's life. Um, but, I, but I will say that you're continuing to see reliance and communication with God. And you continue to see reliance and communication with one another. And that's a great pattern for, our, for us to follow in our lives, this reliance on God, uh, because God is reliable. And um, for those that are married or are about to be married, um, this sort of deep and open communication with, with one another. Okay. So... The next verse is verses 15 through 20. I'm going to skip over, but I would encourage you to look at those at home. Uh, that is, uh, you see there an instance of uh, the pre-incarnate Christ talking to, to Manoah and his wife and what happens there. Um, now I'll, I'll, just, I'll skip over that, but we will um, we'll pick it up again in verse 20. And it goes like this. Uh, Manoah and his wife just finished offering... Um, a sacrifice, and when the flame, verse 20, and when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew he was the angel of the Lord, and Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, we would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son, and he called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Manadon, between Zorah and Eshetal. A couple of things there um, that I think... Manoah and his wife, Samson's parents, realized, um, which we should hopefully realize as well, and that is um, when you're in the presence of a holy God, the response, the realization of your utter dependence on God and your utter, um, just, just the utter difference between the holiness that is God and what is us, uh, and how powerful, how holy Almighty he is, the immediate the reaction is what? Like, like we're going to die. Like, he is so holy. Like, what are we doing? Um, and, and that's the way, like, there's a pattern. This is just not a pattern just for the Old Testament. You see this in the Old 
and the New Testament that of a sinner in the presence of God and this realization of just um, that big difference. You see it in, um, in Ezekiel, uh, where you see it in Ezekiel, you see it in Isaiah, uh, where he says, I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Um, it's in Luke when, um, when, they, uh, when Peter falls at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You've seen him in Revelation. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Um, but, man, praise God that he, has, he gives us a way to still come in his presence, and that's through Jesus. Right? And so already, even in Judges, whoever said, I don't think anybody said, that Judges is not applicable to our lives. Like It's completely applicable. And you already start to see um, this need that we have um, for Jesus. Before we go on, uh, we're going to talk a touch a little bit about Samson. So we're told a few things. We're told that he is going to start delivering Israel from the Philistines, um, and also that he's a Nazarite. And the Nazarite is somebody it means to be set apart um, or to separate. And he's given two restrictions: no wine, um, or no strong drink, and no razor on his hair. Um, and uh, number, in number 6-6, six, six, um, a Nazarite is also called out that they're not supposed to touch a dead body. But it's a dead body of a person rather than, uh, rather than any dead body. And you'll see later on that that kind of makes a little bit of a difference. Um, there are some more sort of rules and regulations about what it means to be clean or unclean. But basically, it's separated to the Lord. And that's what, that's what being a Nazarite is. Um, and another thing, when I... Another thing about Samson that I'd like for us to keep in mind as we read his story is, um, at least for me, when I, up to about a couple weeks ago, when I would think about Samson or read his story, I'd always give him a bit of a hard time. I'd, I'd feel like, man, it's such a sinner. Like, what? come on, what are you doing? Um, I felt like that. But, um, but Samson is actually called out in the Hall of Faith. Uh, so in Hebrews 11, um, Samson is called out and says, um, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. So Samson, for, regardless of what we may think for sort of his faults or non-faults and so on, his, his name is alongside King David, who is a man after God's own heart. Samuel, one of the uh, sort of, I think, an awesome character of the, of the Old Testament. Um, so just going to keep, keep that in mind about Samson. Nazarite set apart from God, and he does make it he get called out in the hall of faith. So, um, um, so yeah, let's keep that in mind. Now, just as we see the nation of Israel um, sort of come, come to God and then, and then fall, and then, and then there's a judge, and, and it's sort of the, the cycle... We're, starting to, we're going to start to see that uh, in Samson's life as well. And so we're going to look at, uh, at kind of Samson's rise and how that, how that happens. And this is in Judges 14. We're going to pick it up there. Excuse me. And, uh, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4 to begin with. So Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, then he came up and told his father and mother, 
I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to her, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Here, um, we see, again, this, uh, this pattern for, uh, for marriages where Samson goes to his father and mother. And we also see children, a great way uh, for children to be with their parents. That is, um, it was customary at that time um, to go and ask permission from your father or mother whether you could, who you could marry. And Samson is doing that. It may not be exactly what the parents wanted. In fact, it wasn't what they wanted. However, marrying a Philistine at that time uh, for the Israelites was not forbidden. Uh, it wasn't wise, but it wasn't one of the seven nations that God explicitly uh, forbid the Israelites to marry. So it was a decision for the parents to say, well, are we going to rely on, on God in this, in this? And maybe it's not what we want, but perhaps, uh, perhaps we should go with what our son is, um, is desiring here. Because what happened is this is something from the Lord um, and something that, uh, that the parents certainly didn't know that. So parents, especially when, when raising children, uh, do rely on God as you, um, as you make choices. And sometimes it's okay if you don't think they're making the best choice. Not completely forbidden choice, and sometimes you have to kind of give them this leash, right? Lest you provoke your children to anger. There's, there's no need to be sort of overly uh, protective. Um, because God overruled, like, uh, God overruled that he wanted to serve his designs against the Philistines here. Um, and he did put into Samson's heart uh, to make the choice, right? So that God could, uh, could have an occasion against the Philistines. So... That was um, that was actually really a hard but good decision on the parents' side to, to let this to let this happen. Ooh, okay, so uh, let's keep reading a little bit, and we're going to get a bit of insight here, which I like into uh, into Samson's strength. Um, so in Judges fourteen verse five, Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him, roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked to the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Um, So a lion is actually a really, really strong animal. Uh, in this case, a um, young lion doesn't mean that it was a cub and it was somehow weak. It was actually meant to be a pretty fierce animal and at, sort of at one, close to their peak of their strength and ability to, to hunt. Um, uh, they, you know, they weigh about 400 pounds, which is you know, a lot of pounds of pure muscle. You, you know, when a lion, lion rushes you, you you're, you're in deep trouble. Okay? But Samson... Um, what happened? How, what, how did Samson get the strength? You look at verse 6 and it says, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Whether Samson knew it or not, God 
came, his reliance on God is what got him, what gave him the strength to be able to destroy this lion with his bare hands. Okay, like say it another way. Um, think, let's think about Olympic athletes of our day, right? Some of these guys are, and actually all of them, are at the peak of their physical capability. Okay, where does their strength come from? Does their strength come from the equipment that they have? Anything external, maybe their hairstyle, uh, maybe their shoes. It doesn't. I mean, it comes from their, their training, right? And, and uh, equipment certainly could help. Like if I, if I uh, show up to a foot race in my jeans, um, that's going to get in my way, right? Um, or if I show up to a wrestling match in my sort of, uh, I don't know, Eskimo suit or something, like, it would just look silly and, um, and I, w- I wouldn't do so well. So equipment does make a difference. But if I've never practiced and I, I come alongside an Olympic athlete, I'll, I'll, I'll get destroyed. Um, now, even with Olympic athletes, there's, there's strength that comes from the inside. But this kind of strength that we're talking about here to destroy a lion and to do some other things that we'll see, um, that is obviously not something that can come from training even. It has to come from inside and it has to come uh, from, from something else inside of you. And that, as we're told, is the Spirit of God that, uh, that rushed on Samson, There's the, that reliance on the Spirit of God. So, um, so here you see, like, in Samson's life, God continues so far to be weighed more heavily than his own strength. Even though he's strong, he's not that strong. Like, it's, it's all God's strength in him that, that enables him to, to do this. And so, so just... Whether Samson knew it or not, it's not as important as the fact that, look, the strength comes from, um, comes from God. In the same way that these plants grow because of the sun, Samson's strength came from God. And now we're going we're gonna to get an insight into uh, sort of some of the, the wedding festivities that are, that are about to happen. And uh, as Samson goes and, and tries to take the, uh, to, to, to be married, and... Uh, in those times, um, they didn't have iPhones, right, or, uh, or Windows phones. I guess we don't have Windows phones either. Uh, <laughs> but um, they, they, you know, they found different ways to entertain themselves. And one of those ways was through riddles, okay? And so who here likes riddles? Okay, there's a few people. Okay, good. So I have a couple of riddles. I have a few riddles just to, just to kind of get things moving. Okay, so um, what has the face... And two hands, but no arms or legs. Clock. Okay, good. Okay, the next one I'm gonna do it. But like, if you're if you're under, let's say under 15, you can answer. Okay, and and then we'll then we'll open it up. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> what gets wetter as it dries? Nice, Jacob. <laughs> and uh, and last one, and this one stumped Jamie, by the way. So. Um, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so what has to be broken before you can use it? What has to be broken before you can use it? And I'll open that up to everyone. An egg. <laughs> an egg, that's right. <laughs> it's an egg. Uh, what's that? A glow stick. A glow stick, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the multiple answers, I guess. <laughs> Smarty pants. Um, <laughs> so... Um, so let's let's pick it up and see how this how these riddles sort of play out in um, and 
in, in, uh, in this feast. But, like, it's fun, right? It's fun, it's lighthearted, like, it's okay. Like, it's not, you know, it's meant to be fun. So, um, so let's read in verse, uh, in verse 8. After some days, he returned to take her, uh, his wife. <clears throat> and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. I'll just, as another aside to think through on, in personal study, I always thought that this made Samson unclean and broke his, uh, the, the fact that he was a Nazarite. That's actually not true. In further study, he would have been unclean if he would have touched the, the dead body of a person rather than an animal. So, uh, just a tidbit, feel free to, to, to dig in there. Um, but we'll move on to verse 10. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. As soon as the people saw him, they brought him 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, Let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of the feast and find out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, Put your riddle that we may hear it. Okay, great. Let's have some fun. Let's put this riddle. And he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Okay, so not quite as easy as what it gets wetter as it dries. But it's, it's quite doable among 30 people, I assure you. Um, and in three days, so these guys, in three days, they could not solve the riddle. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? Whoa! Wait a minute. Wait a minute, folks. Like, we are talking about a riddle, supposed to be fun, and we're talking about like 30 changes of clothes among 30 people. Like, this isn't, you know, an impoverished us situation, right? Like, this is just for fun. Um, But here, you're you're starting to get insight into what the Philistines are like as leaders, right? Like, they are uh, pretty sinful and debased, right? If they, they jumped from, uh, we can't solve this riddle, we don't want to give you our clothes, to we're going to burn the wife and, uh, uh, wife and father uh, just, for, just for not being able to, to answer this. So that's, uh, that's not great. And so the Philistines, they are certainly, certainly not relying on God um, in this case. But neither is, uh, neither is the wife, neither is, um, neither is the wife in this case, um, and, and Samson not as much also. So if, uh, we'll continue. Samson's wife wept over him um, and, and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have put a riddle to my people, and you have not told me what it is. Um, and he said to her, Behold, I have not told my father nor my mother, and shall I tell you? She wept before him the seven days that their feast lasted. And on the seventh day he told her, because she pressed him hard. Then she told the people the riddle to her people. And the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you have not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Um, so, this is... <laughs> Like, there's absolutely no reliance here on, uh, on God. There's no following of God's pattern for, for marriage. 
Um, so I'll explain the picture in a second. Uh, there's, um, there's no relying on God's pattern for marriage. There is no great, uh, no great communication um, between, between husband and wife and God in trying to, to work through this. There, there's nothing like that. And, uh, and where does the, the, the wife jump to in this case? Um, she, she jumps to, um, to really just, um, well, the best I can put it is Proverbs 21.9 that says, it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Right? So, so she, she kind of just goes after him and, and nags him and bugs him. Um, and you know, the, that's the corner of a roof that it would be better to live on than, than with that kind of a, kind of a woman, according to, um, according to um, Proverbs. And Samson's response was poor. It was terrible. Um, he, when he said, look, I, I'm not, I didn't even tell my mother and father. Samson, like, this is your wife, man. Like, she is more important than your father and mother. We know from Genesis, like, we're supposed to leave and cleave. Um, and, uh, and this is obviously not happening here. And so that's not a good response either. Um, so... Whether you're a parent that has a child that's about to get married or that will eventually be married, whether you are married, I'd encourage you. Uh, marriage is more important as a relationship. is more important than the relationship you have with your parents. So parents, encourage this of your children. Teach them now when they're young what, it's gonna, what it means like to have a marriage that is reliant and dependent on God at your own expense, like much more than it is between uh, you and your parents. Not to say that you don't respect your parents and don't have a relationship with them or anything like that. Um, the, not to say that at all. Um, but, but again, we see here a pattern of non-reliance on God and certainly uh, a terrible pattern for marriages. And if you look in verse 19, uh, this is how God starts to deliver, begins to deliver um, Israel uh, from the hand of the Philistines. It's just the very beginning. But it says, The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, upon Samson. And he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to the house who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. So again, Samson, in this case, um, again, there was a reliance on God rather than his own strength in how he, he went and handled the Philistines. Um, and over the, the, the course of chapter 15, which, which I, I won't go through and read, you'll see this continued, um, this continued beginning uh, of deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines, um, which is exactly what God said in chapter, um, in chapter 13, verse 5, where he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin through Samson, I'm going to begin to deliver the Israelites uh, from their hand. So Samson, with God's strength, takes down 30 men. He'll, he burns, uh, burns their fields later on in, the, in chapter 15. Uh, he strikes 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. Um, so there's just great, uh, sort of great deeds that are starting to happen because of God in Samson's life. If you look at, uh, skip down to chapter 15, verse 14, uh, again, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. So, again, you just over and over, you see this reliance on God. Um, furthermore, in verse 18, 
It says, and he was very thirsty. This is Samson. He was very thirsty. He called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore the name of it was called En-Hakor. It is at Lehi to this day, and he judged Israel and the Philistines 20 years. So not only did Samson rely on God for his strength, but even for his very life when he was about to die of thirst. I don't know if that was hyperbole or not, but Samson certainly was feeling it. Um, God provided water out of the sort of this barren ground for him. So um, but certainly there was a deep reliance there on God. And then we're told, uh, Samson judged Israel 20 years. We get this period of 20 years that we actually don't know much about. I don't know anything about from, from the Bible. Um, but unfortunately, uh, what happens next? Just like in the cycle with Israel, where they're judged, where we're about to see uh, the downfall of Samson. And it begins, uh, it begins slightly uh, over in, uh, in the first few verses, and then uh, it really takes place after verse 4. So um, if you look at chapter 16, verse 1 says, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. Uh, sin, very simple. Uh, the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. So, Samson, in sin, yet God saves him one more time, okay? God saves him again. He picks up these giant gates that um, did some research. They're, they're equivalent of, of weighing the, the weight of a couple of cars, basically, that he picked up and carried up a hill. Some of us have a hard time walking up a hill uh, with carrying nothing, but Samson could do it um, with carrying you know, a few cars on his shoulder. So, um, you know, very, very strong, very, very strong guy. Uh, through, the, through the strength of the Lord, there, there was still... They were still graciously with him. But what you're going to start seeing right now is that the weight of who Samson puts his, his trust with, uh, his trust in, becomes much less God and much more his own strength. Um, and that is a tragic and unfortunate thing when it happens. He's, he's forgotten, in a sense, where his strength comes from. Um, and then the Lord, because he disciplines and loves him, uh, will, um, will show him. Kids, has anyone been burnt with fire before? Who's, 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 like, who's been burnt with fire? Wow, our children in our church are very well protected. That's great. <laughs> Let's, uh, how about adults? Have you ever been burnt with fire? Okay, so what do you learn, right? When, you, when you're burnt with fire, what do you learn? It hurts, right? Do you like? Do you keep doing it? Like you keep poking? No, like it hurts. Like stop doing it. It's silly. Um, and uh, however, like that simple lesson that most children learn early in our church, adults learn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that particular lesson, uh, Samson um, didn't learn. 
And, uh, and we see that in, in, in the story of uh, Samson and Delilah. So uh, in verse 4, we'll pick it up. He loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Lots of money. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings and have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had the men lying in ambush in her inner chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not yet known. And, and this you'll see as you continue down chapter 16, it happens three times. right? And Samson doesn't learn that uh, this is a bad idea to, to tell him, um, you know, it's, it's a bad idea to, to tell uh, Delilah where his strength lies. And certainly, he is no longer relying on, uh, on the Lord through this. So there's no learning, uh, there's no learning here as well. Um, so that's, that's really, really, really uh, unfortunate and, and tragic. He had his great strength for so long that I think he had uh, pride that built up in his heart, um, and he no longer uh, relied and depended on God. He was relying and depending on his own strength. And, uh, and you'll see here that it's going to cost him. Uh, it's going to cost him his, um, eventually his life. Um, if we pick it up in verse 15, um, and, and it says, you know, she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day, so this is reminiscent of his first wife, right, where uh, so this bugging and, and just this sort of nagging over and over. Um, Samson fell for that then. He falls for it now. Um, when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Samson also forgets that his strength is actually not from his hair. It's actually from the Lord. And so he's just, he's, he's, he got pretty uh, lost along the way here. Um, and, and what happens is that Delilah does go ahead and shave his head. Samson um, doesn't even realize that, that, that God's strength leaves him. Um, if you see in verse 20, um, he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's a tragic, tragic statement. Um, because because he had, he had just forgotten what, it, what, it's, or what it's like to, to have the presence of, of the Lord in his life. And, and I, I would really, that's the one that I'd caution us uh, in our daily lives to know, man, where does our strength come from? Um, and know what the difference is when the Lord is with us when we do something and when the Lord is not with us when we do something. Um, there's a big difference there. 
so the Philistines, uh, they heard Samson, took him prisoner, uh, and, uh, and, and, and put, him, put him in prison. However, there is also some redemption uh, in Samson's life, which is great. And the, the redemption comes in verse 23. It starts in verse 23. The lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. Uh, when you read verses like this, I mean, you should just know, man, God cares about his glory. He says, For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. How should my name be profaned? My glory I'll not give to another. There are lots of verses about how God cares about His glory. So you should know that what happens next and any kind of redemption is for God's glory, not because, not for Samson's pride or Samson's glory. It's all for God. Um, because He's the only one that deserves to take the glory and to take credit, both in our lives and, um, and, and, and in, other, in other instances as well. Um, so, so, so that's happening, and... Uh, and, sent, and we'll go all the way down to verse 28, when Samson calls to the Lord and says, O oh God, O oh Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, and his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. So there's a final act of reliance on God here. There is a, a final act when Samson realizes that his strength does come from the Lord, not from, sorry, not from his own strength. And so... Uh, and so he calls on the Lord. He, he weighs the reliability of God much more than his own strength. And God does, um, does come through for him. Uh, ben, you may feel free to come up. Um, so to, to recap where things are at, uh, Samson started with reliance on God. Uh, it started even before that with his parents relying on God. Then Samson... Um, then there was this period of 20 years where uh, you know, we don't know much. And then this pride that, 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 that came through um, where um, there was uh, a lack of reliance on God. And so I would, ask, um, I would ask, how are you doing and how am I doing with reliance on God? Have we, have we started to forget that we need the Lord in every single thing that we do, um, or are we still thinking and uh, honoring God in everything and following Him in all that we're doing? And so my prayer um, for all of us and myself is that is that our hearts will know and and deeply understand that God is reliable, should be relied upon, and we should look to Him in everything and. For me, this is really well summarized in Psalm 121. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that at the end of Psalm 121. Um, you can make that your prayer this week. Um, 
And it goes like this. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.